welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today is June 3rd, 2020, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. And today we are joined by Dr. Rick and Ann Mara Hinton. And one of the things we just really want to think through today during this global pandemic is how do you advocate for the education of your kids in a post-COVID-19 world? And so we know that many of our children missed the last two months of their school year, but yet in the fall, Lord willing, they're going to start school again. And so how do you help advocate for these children who have missed so much and who have have been displaced from school for probably five months, hopefully not more. And so Dr. Rick and Amar are going to give some great insight on how you can help advocate for your children. But before we hear from Dr. Rick and Amara, I want to remind you that in August, Lord willing, we'll have our Run for One 5K. And with all of the changes that have been happening lately, we can easily feel helpless and powerless to make a difference. But there are opportunities to help children around the world who are more in need of care because of this pandemic. Unadopted cares for orphaned and vulnerable children in practical ways across the globe. You can be a part of eternally impacting their lives through the work of unadopted. And you don't even have to travel far. On August 29th, join us for our annual Run for One 5K. You can take part at one of our nine locations or run wherever you are. For more information and to register to run, go to runfor15k.org. That's runfor15k.org. We hope to see you on August 29th at our Run for One. Well, what an honor to be joined today uh, by Ann Mara Hinton and Dr. Rick to talk about education. And, you know, we've talked even recently on the Defender podcast about how to help your kids educationally while you are teaching uh, from home. For many parents, they've become homeschool parents and they didn't expect it. And now, graciously for many, the semester is over, but now we're looking forward to how do I get my kids ready when a school year starts when, quite honestly, even for the best of parents, many of our kids, especially those who need specialized learning, could trail behind when the next semester starts. And so that's really what we wanted to bring Anne Mara and Dr. Rick on today to discuss. And so guys, first of all, uh, I know we've done this before, but but talk about IDEA, IDEA as well as the Rehabilitation Act Section 504 and talk about how the CARES Act has affected that as well as states have affected that going forward. So Anne Mara, can you, can you just uh, give us a little bit more information on that and how the CARES Act has affected that. Sure, the IDEA um, and the Rehabilitation Act uh, 504 are, um, are federal laws and civil laws that give uh, a free and appropriate education to all children who need it uh, in at least a uh, restricted learning environment. And so what does that mean for kids that uh, have um, – have a certain diagnosis or uh, a special need and uh, how does that relate to the CARES Act? And um, basically the CARES Act um, has said that, that we, we're going to serve you. The waivers, there is no waiver. We're not going to, we're not going to um, not serve you. We're going to do what we can to serve you. Um, 
in uh, this unusual learning environment that we're a part of right now. And so um, as I was telling y'all a minute ago, you know, there are 7 million kids that rely on um, the IDEA or the Rehabilitation Act to receive educational support services. And so uh, a lot of our kids that are most impacted by school closures um, uh, or even pr the proposed waivers at one point uh, are at risk. And so we just have to try to figure out ways in which we can, can help them to uh, continue to learn through this uh, pandemic. And I, I think, Herbie, one of, the, one of the things that's probably the hardest part of responding right now to, to COVID and, and where we are is there's an impression that, um, that, that there's, there's an undue opportunity flexibility, I think, here. And, and the, the truth is the law has not changed with regard to children with special needs, children with, um, with identified disabilities, um, using the term that the law uses, and, and the school district mandate to, to address that to provide a free and appropriate education. And, and I think we, because we've been in such a posture of adjustment in every place in our lives, we, it, honestly, it's kind of, I'll, I'll just speak for us personally, our family, like this kind of snuck up on us in the fact that we got some adjusted plans for our kids and went, well, oh, well, of course, we're going to have to adjust plans because our kids aren't in school and they're not receiving the same services. But that was kind of equally met by um, stopping and saying, wait a minute, it's, it's partly my responsibility as a parent because I'm part of the team that put this edu individualized education plan together that like I need to really sit down and read the plan that the schools put together and look at the goals that have been set for my child and the way that we're accomplishing those things. And if I've got concerns about those things, I, I need to feed back to someone because legally that plan can't be changed without, without my permission as a parent um, just like it can't be changed without, you know, without teacher input or administrator input or, or whatever. And, and that, that we may be at a distance and it may be difficult at this point, but none of that's really changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think what has changed though, right, is our kids haven't been receiving those services for longer than they usually have. And so, you know, many of our kids going forward, they've already need contingency learning plans, but they're certainly going to need those now. So tell us what is a contingency learning plan and why does it matter and who is responsible for developing them? Yeah, well, the contingency learning plan is, like I said, it's it's kind of a, the, the state or the district or the school's um, um, effort to, in good faith to come up with something that uh, works for the kids when they're uh, online learning. Uh, it does not take the place of an IEP, as Rick said. Uh, uh, it is. Uh, it does need to have parental input and parental approval to move forward. But it's basically a plan, and hopefully, hopefully, schools and uh, the, the they're using uh, the IEPs to develop a learning plan for these kids, and uh, to, so that they can, um, you know, have some type of uh, access to uh, to what's uh, what what their needs are and meeting those needs of the kids and so teachers the teachers are the ones developing them um, this uh, the um, the IP team sometimes is involved in developing them uh, but again like like Rick said uh, you know parents if you have not had that opportunity to be involved in that 
then it's okay to call your call your teacher up, email your teacher, schedule a Zoom call, get involved in that process. Um, and as and even as school um, school closes up for the year in some states, um, you know there is that the idea of summer school and continuing that process. And my, many of our kids are involved in transitional type summer schools. So just because we're in the midst of this doesn't mean that goes away either. You know, so we really want to uh, help parents just to to stay involved and advocate, 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 and communicate, communicate, communicate with uh, with their schools, with their districts, and with their teachers. One other thing that I would just kind of throw in as well is is the kind of the form and shape that these contingency learning plans take is different state to state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these are these are being made on a decisions that are being made on a state to state basis. It's usually as a result of an order or or some sort of permission that's been received by the, from the governor um, mm-hmm. under a disaster declaration for them to be able to make those kind of adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some states like uh, I was looking a couple of days ago at, at I think Michigan, their their contingency learning plan is actually just the IEP standard from. IDEA. Like, like they really haven't changed anything at all. The governor just allowed them to go back and, and reassert and say, we're going we're gonna to still fulfill everything according to the federal guidelines and we're really not changing anything. In other places, there, there have been, you know, some softening of those kinds of things, particularly like the meeting requirements and, and, and that, you know, that piece of it. And, and I think that's where, um, in my, my reminder to parents at this point is that I'm aware that my, te- my kids' teachers have dozens and sometimes hundreds of kids on their caseload. And so they're having, to, they're having to, in a very short period of time, think contingency for a lot of kids, and, and they're doing the best that they can to try to adapt to that environment and to help our kids in, in what we all recognize is a, is a tough place. What, I, what I'm aware of as a parent is I've got two kids. That, are, that fall into that category. And so part of where I can be collaborative in this environment, and, and we don't have to be adversarial, but, but part of where is, is when we get involved as a parent, um, we know our kids, we know things they respond to, we know things that are probably not gonna work with them, we know, and, and so, you know, like having some way of weighing back in to the teacher, as Ann Mara said, and, and, and just putting some of that personalized perspective, there's probably not anybody else that's going to be a part of um, either adjusting your child's IEP with a, a, conti- a contingency learning plan or carrying that plan out that's going to be thinking individually about the needs of your child like you will. And and so where my encouragement to parents is, and, and even as we're we're looking forward into next school year, um, there may be little that we can do in the last few days and last couple of weeks of school now to see you know major adjustments and major changes. But we're already anticipating some of the differences and what they're going to be for you know for next school year. And, and I think this is a call to us as parents to say, we really have to pay attention and be active in engaging this process. We just can't like let the school take over the process and, and run it um, from the perspective that, that really like they have, they have so much that they have to be accountable for, for so many kids. Um, and, and we can, you know, we can be our kids advocate in this. 
Well, and I also jump in there too and just, I mean, echo that, that this is a, this is an opportunity for us as parents too to realize, well, one, realize we're not going to fix our kids in one season. <laughs> and then, but also just a chance to reframe our ideas. And it's just a tremendous, there's tremendous value in the fact that we're getting to see our kids learn. And we have the opportunity to see our kids' strengths as well as their struggles and really have the opportunity to, to, to speak into that maybe where we would not have done that in the past or not had the opportunity to do that in the past. So obviously giving ourselves a little bit of grace because we can't fix it, but, you know, taking a deep breath and, um, and then, you know, and, and, and communicating and talking and being open to uh, collaborate with the teachers and with the schools and even just in thinking about what's coming next too. So. And I'll, I'll give you a really specific example and I won't name which one of my children that I'm talking about, but the folks that know me will know instantly. Um, but, but, you know, we've seen one of our kids um, really thrive in this environment. We, we've seen the self-directed learning environment and, and, you know, some of the, the practical skills that he's learning in a, in a, you know, in like a trade learning environment and those kinds of things we've seen, we've seen him really excel but but the thing that's been interesting in this is that we've made observation of some things that e-learning and self-paced learning has done for him that when we go back to a more normal environment, that's part of the conversation we want to have with his teachers to say, how can we leverage the fact that we've learned he's actually doing better because of some of these things? So how can we work more of that into the plan and and really help him? you know, to, to take some steps ahead and to, and to achieve well um, because we've had the blessing of being able to observe this. And so I, I think I totally agree with Ann Mara there. And, and it's, this is not just about the downside of what our, what our kids are not receiving or what the challenges are. It's also about how to really step forward and, and think about the future. So as we, as we even think and, and kind of touch on these contingency learning plans as well, as we go back especially as kids start to go back to school, there's a good chance, right, that parents, because while they've always been hands-on, have been so much more hands-on, what, what, how would you advise a parent or families if they disagree with the CLP that they're receiving post when, when their kids do go back to school? Yeah, I would, uh, I would definitely sit down and think through it, read through it. Uh, you may add your thoughts, just like Rick said, you know, add your thoughts to things that you're observing, you're seeing. I would be documenting as much as uh, I can, uh, keeping up with different, creating a folder or file, just where you're creating and keeping up with your notes and any, um, any kind of paperwork that you might have. Um, and then, you know, just uh, really going ahead and, and being proactive to set up a time to, to uh, talk with uh, the teacher. It may be that we don't get to talk face-to-face, -face, but going ahead and setting up a time to talk uh, through a Zoom meeting or through a phone call, but also just having those thoughts on paper to document it, I think will be really uh, helpful, not only for you to keep up with it, but also for the teacher to see, see what you're, you've been doing and what you've been working on your child i think too and i i've said this before when when we've been in this forum and talked about this that that the most powerful thing that a parent can say in in this forum is i disagree or i have a concern mm -hmm. because both of those there there are legal provisions that are made 
that that they are they're seeking our input. We are we're not we're not an auxiliary to this. Like we're part of the team that's putting this plan together for our kids, and and legally we have a seat at the table. And so, as a parent, I think sometimes we get in the posture of saying, "Hey, I want to trust the experts," and and I want I want to listen to the guidance of the experts. And so, in our you know in our inner self, like the, in that in that quiet place that God gives us where we have discernment and it kind of quakes in our heart. We we like, we feel like something's wrong. We feel like, Hey, I disagree with the way we're, we're meeting this challenge or the plan we're putting together. But sometimes we're reluctant to speak up because it's like we who are not the expert, how, you know, how can we speak into what the experts are telling us? And I think I would say, trust that discerning spirit. And if you're, if you're concerned, if you don't agree, you need to say so, um, because that piece of documentation that that has to be resolved, and and so it may not be anything other than the school district really going back and clarifying their plan, um, you know, going back and and being more explicit about what they intend to do. It may mean that they're explaining to you things that they've not explained to you well, and and you may be really comfortable with what's going on. You just don't understand it, but to get to that place. The only way that you're going to get there is by is by taking the initiative and stepping up and saying, I disagree uh, or I have a concern and and know that in this environment, send an email, <laughs> put it in, put it in writing to, to, you know, because all of that becomes part of the record of, of, of the trail of your child's file and, and of their plan. And so if you reach out to the teacher and say, like, I have a concern about the way we're addressing, you know, this particular part of, of my child's learning challenge, um, there's going to then need to be documentation that you've, that that's been addressed and you've talked about it. And ultimately that there's resolution that's come um, to that concern. And, and so, um, you know, that, and, and, and so that's going to mean some proactivity on our part as parents to, to take the initiative, maybe not to wait for a meeting to happen or whatever, but to reach out to them and say, hey, um, we need to talk about this. <laughs> well, even as we look forward to school, we know that there are going to be a lot of differences as kids go back. Um, there, there, there's going to be a lot of uh, expectations going forward as well. Um, what, what can we expect once school gets back um, what are the differences that we can already know that we can expect and how can we prep our kids to get ready for those differences? Yeah, I would definitely say that, um, you know, we know there's going to be some some changes and some transitions and our kids already do struggle with transitions. So I'd go back to what we already know uh, about how to help kids and to work with them through those transitions. and. Um, a, a lot of that is, uh, is, is just talking to them, you know, preparing them, not being quiet about it, not uh, whispering about it, and then just expecting it to go away and be okay. I would, I would really encourage uh, you to talk through it. And sometimes even if there's an opportunity to visit before school gets started, I don't know if that's a possibility or not, but you know, what does it look like to walk six feet apart from someone? What does it feel like to have a mask on? Role play it. 
practice it, play it. I mean, Karen Harvest, you know, practice, practice, play, play, play. So let's, let's go ahead and do those things with our kids. Let's uh, introduce them uh, to what some of the changes might be. Um, and then if they're not there, that's okay. <laughs> we've practiced, we've played it, but we've role played it. But if they are, then at least we prepare them for some of the things that are going to look different. I think on the other side too, it's, it's, it's a good reminder for us to remind their teachers and the people that we're interacting with on the other side that, that our kids um, really struggle in the unknown and they, they really struggle in, in the, in the uncertainty of things. And so we know that like, we're going to be in probably in adaptive environments where um, kids schedules may be different than they've ever been before because of, you know, trying to limit, contact and limit exposure and so we may schedules may look very different for school um, and those kind of things and we know that school districts are going to have to make those changes on the fly um, but but as those changes are being made many times the the last thing that happens is actually really communicating well to the students about what's about to happen and why it's about to happen and I think just reminding our, our teachers to say um, hey our kiddos are like they're, they're, we want them to be able to give their very best in this environment and we want them to be their very best in this environment. And part of the way that you're going to help them to do that is by, by them not being surprised. Mm -hmm. and, and so if you can help us communicate with us what the changes are so we can reinforce it. But if you can help us by, you know, as much as you can being upfront and, and, and like talking them through and explaining the changes and, and being patient with, you know, the questions and a little bit of the anxiety and, and those kinds of things, that'll, I think that'll do a world of good. Yeah. And I think even as we are preparing for that, I think educationally, what are ways that even as semesters are coming to a close, we know that our kids, especially with some learning differences, they, they need extra practice. They need to be engaged. What are ways that we can continue to bridge gaps throughout the summer as kids are waiting to go back to go to school in the fall? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, even before uh, COVID-19, we would have said, you know, bridging the gap through the summer is important, you know, and to keep on um, with those schedules and also uh, with some type of cognitive fitness um, through the summer and, and just uh, working to, uh, continue to help kids not necessarily know like what to think but how to think and to to work with them in those areas even that's you know that's was before COVID so I think that's even more important now to continue to do that so you know if you're working with tutors or you are working with your school figuring out ways you can continue to do that um, on, a, on a regular basis and um, and not being afraid to continue to do that just because everybody says schools finished it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to just stop doing all academics <laughs> so I would say that to me it's just to continue to do uh, and create that consistency again that's going to help with the transition back in the fall as well as Rick was saying is if you're already on a schedule keep it up I mean you know allow yourself some room to play but but keep up with that schedule and that's going to be beneficial to our kids that we're serving and I think, I, I've, and I've related something to, to both of you privately, but just a funny moment that happened with our, you know, with our family in the last week, we were, uh, we were kind of talking about the fact that, um, 
around in our living room with our kids and we were all kind of roaming around and it was like, Hey, um, summer hasn't even started yet. <laughs> and, and I, and I looked over and, you know, my sweet wife and she was playing, but she had her head in her hands and she was like, summer hasn't even started yet. You know, it, it was like, we're tired. Like we're all, you know, we're all kind of fatigued and we're kind of done with a lot of the, the changes of COVID and, and the things that we've had to respond to. And, and, and yet, um, I, I think there's a, there's room to give ourselves some grace and to not feel like we have to press in and have our nose to the grindstone and work as hard as we've been working for the last several weeks to get school finished. But there's a, there's a great way to kind of take a breath in that and say, but yes, we can do some productive things that a little bit along. And guess what? Like in this season, we can do some stuff where we can actually have some fun and we're not worried about grades and we're not worried about, you know, the pressure of school and, and somebody else's time schedule. Um, and that's, you know, that's part of what Bridge Educational Services wants to do. Part of why we started that here at Lifeline is to, is to do cognitive fitness and, and to, to work on executive functioning for kids that are, you know, that are struggling with limitations in that area. But we want to do it in such a way that it's engaging and it's fun and it feels more like play than, than it feels like, you know, hard work or, or drudgery. And, and I think um, in an environment where we're seeing the challenges of summer camps going away and summer schedules kind of being thrown into chaos and people are trying to figure out how to sort that out, um, we would love for one of our tutors to be able to be part of the equation for a, a lot of our listeners to say, um, we can help you think about what that plan looks like for the summer. We can help you to to know what games to play and what things to do. And, and you know that it's exercise, right? Like, you know, it's, it's cognitive work to your kids. It's, just gonna, it's really just going to look like playing a game. Um, and, and we, and I think we can set up so that, um, so that we don't have some of that loss and, and some of those challenges from going from, you know, weeks on end where kids haven't been being stimulated cognitively and where, you know, where they're, they're kind of regressing during the summer. So we'd love to help. So reach out to us at lifelinechild.org um, backslash bridge. Yeah. And I'd say, I would even say, you know, the beauty of being able to be online and everybody understand that a little bit better too, that we can do those things um, through by distant learning. <laughs> and so it's been fun to, to be a part and watch the kids really enjoy learning even, even through zoom, even through, even online. Yeah. And I guess last question I've got for you guys is as we talk about advocating for our kids and we know that a lot of that advocacy is going to come once the school year starts. So over into August, September, but we also know that we're ending semesters where typically we would have parent teacher conferences or we would review plans that haven't happened. And, uh, or if they've happened, they've happened remotely without those, third-party educators really being able to, to view the plan or to see some of the actions. So uh, how can families begin to get a jump start on advocating for their kids even this summer before the school year starts? 
Yeah, I would definitely say you always have access to um, to your IEPs and your 504s. And like we said before, it'd be a great time to review those things. And and hey, we're we're here to help with that as well too. I I, um, I I know this kind of sounds might sound goofy, but I like enjoy looking at IEPs <laughs> and uh, and dissecting them and and offering suggestions and different things like that. So you know, feel free to reach out for that, and we can just talk through them. And, and it's an opportunity for you to compare and contrast what you're seeing at home. Uh, again, just not being afraid to pick up that paperwork that you know, as Rick had said um appears to be uh, given to the professionals from a professional perspective and really figuring out what those those reports mean and as um so we can take a good look and be ready for when fall for when fall comes around and uh already have that uh, understanding of what what that paper is saying so and i think it's just really simple too. make sure you're getting those reports because i think one of the things that's likely to fall through the cracks at this point is those things there, you know, those things are going to be probably a little more difficult to produce and, and, and they may not be, you know, quite as much of a priority. And so over the next several weeks, if you don't start, if you don't see something that looks like an end of year summation of where your kids are and where they are in relationship to their goals, um, call the school and ask for it. Mm -hmm. Because that's, that's something that under IDEA that is, um, like that's that's an optional thing. That's a necessary thing that they need to do. We'd love to help in in helping you read that, helping you you know engage it and and know what what to do with some of that information if if it's you know if if you need that kind of help. But I think the first thing is just making sure that you that you get it, um, and and that's probably a, a between now and the end of June kind of thing to be on the lookout for and make sure you have. And for those families that don't have the IPs and don't have the 504s and maybe we're in process, you know, go ahead and, and again, you know, don't be afraid to to ask about that process and where where you are in that process, uh, especially with spring. I know there were several, um, you know, several folks that were in the middle of the process of testing and uh, it had to come to a stop, you know, and so don't be afraid to reach out to find out, you know, where we are. Do we have to start over asking those questions um, and, and um, as you move forward with that as well, too. So, yeah. Friends, that's great. And I know that's so helpful for folks. And uh, Mara, will you just one more time tell folks how to get connected with Bridge if they're interested in that? Sure. Uh, you can go to the website at lifeline, lifelinechild.org backslash bridge or you are welcome to email me directly and I can connect you with a bridge tutor or if you are interested in any of the other services either the tutoring or the online uh, informal screenings uh, or just can, via a consultant can, uh, call uh, you can email me at annmara a-n-n-m-a-u-r-a dot hinton h-i-n-t-o-n at lifelinechild.org Friends, we're grateful and I would encourage anyone that needs help or maybe this uh, podcast just kind of scratched the surface of some of your questions. If you have other questions, please reach out to us and to our bridge professionals. We'd be glad to help you and help you tailor make a plan for your child because ultimately we're here to see these children thrive and survive so that you can make the gospel known to them uh, anywhere they go. Thanks for joining us and Dr. Rick and Ann Mora, it's been a pleasure. Thanks.
Thanks, Herbie. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.